It's quite amazing that we're already on Daf Pei Tesin in Ketubas. And uh, in the learning today, we've got to touch on some technical details, but the uh, outcome is an, a very important chidush in the posuk in Mishle, Ashir Berashim Yimshol, a wealthy person rules over poor people. Ve'eved malve, and a person who is a debtor is enslaved to to his creditor. It says Rashi, Ashir Berashim Yimshol, Berashim Yimshol, a rich man rules over poor people. It's not talking about financial wealth, although there's some of that as well. But Amharitz Sarich the Talmid Chacham Lo Alam, a Talmid and Amharitz always needs a Talmid Chacham around. So that when it talks about rich and poor, it's talking about intellectual wealth and poverty. It's talking about a Talmud Chochem and an Amaretz. A person who's an Amaretz needs a Talmud Chochem around. He's in, connected, so to say, enslaved to a Talmud Chochem because he needs him. That word Olam is going to be important forever. The Metsudas David is very beautiful. He says, Somebody who is wealthy in knowledge uh, has power over those who are impoverished in knowledge. In the same way as a, a debtor is in, indebted and, and subjugated to the power of the, of the creditor, because he lent him money, what he needed. In the same way, a, a Talmud Chochem has power over a, a, an Amaharetz, because they can teach them, they give them what they need. A person who doesn't know comes to a Talmud Chacham and the Talmud Chacham teaches him. That makes him indebted. That's like a person who lends money, who gets you out of a difficult situation. You don't have the, the financial clout that you need. So a wealthy person comes and gives you the money to help you do what you need to do. The same as a Talmud Chochem. When a Talmud Chochem teaches, he's able to give wisdom to the Amaretz, and for that, the, the ordinary person remains indebted to the Talmud Chochem. And as I said, we'll see an interesting chidush in this, in this idea of Eved Lovel Ishmalve. We start with the, the Mishnah on, uh, on our daf. A woman comes to Beisdin and she says, I'm divorced, here's my get. I want to claim the ktuva money from my ex-husband. Uh, but she doesn't have a ktuva. She can't pull out any kind of a document. So what are we afraid of? Has she already been paid out? We, we don't know what's happening. All we know is she's divorced. She's got to get. But we don't know whether she's already been paid out or not. Govak tufta, she can claim her ktuva. Rashi explains because when it comes to ktuva, this is not a, a, a debt that is created by means of the document. The debt of the ketuvah is created by legislation. The Chachomim decree that when a woman gets married, she has a get, whether he, a whether he writes it or he doesn't write it, he owes her that money. Uh, and so when she comes with a get, she doesn't have to come with a document. She can say, I was married to him, we know that. I'm now divorced from him, we know that. And I'm claiming my ketuvah, and he can't prove that I haven't already been paid. So the, the din is, we pay her out. Says the Gemara, Shmamina Kotvin Shovar. Clearly, then that must be that must, must teach us that when you get when a creditor is paid, he should give the lender, the borrower, a receipt. That's a big sugi in Bovabasa, as we'll see in a moment. Is it obligatory on the uh, the um, borrower to demand a receipt when he pays? 
Or can he demand that the original document is returned to him? What's the difference? The question is, who's the onus of proof? So if, if Ruven lends Shimon money, Shimon repays Ruven in part or in whole. And he says, give me back my document. I don't want you to appear in, in Bezdin in six months' time and claim money from me again. Says the creditor, no, I'm holding on to this because there's still an amount that you owe me. I'll give you a receipt that you've paid me half. Says the borrower, then I've got to keep this receipt forever because you can always come with your document. Now the onus of proof is on me. That's the discussion in the Gemara. Who should be the owners of the proof? And says, our Gemara, you see from here that you do write a Shuvah, D.E. ain't Kotvin Shuvah, because if you don't write a receipt, then she can always come to the Ksuba again. This Gemara is strange. A woman comes to Beisdin, she shows a get, and she claims money for a Ksuba. Maybe you've been paid out already, so then we would say, where's the receipt? So clearly we see from here that the norm is to give a person a receipt when they pay. Omarav, Sarav answers, and we're talking about a case where there isn't a ktuva. They didn't write ktuvas, they just wrote, relied on the legislation. And so we're not afraid that she'll turn up again and claim for her ktuva because we'll write on her get that she's been paid out. And we're not afraid that she'll go to some other Bezdin and produce a ktuva that we're not worried about because we're talking about a place and a time when the ktuva wasn't written. Just briefly, let's just, let's just stay with it before we get the philosophic concept. So Rashi brings that the Gomorrah and Boabasra, so it's not altogether clear from the Gomorrah and Boabasra. It says, says here, Daf Kuf Tzayin Aleph, but that's a mistake. It's Daf Kuf Ayin Aleph. That the, uh, the Gomorrah in, in Boabasra, Daf Kuf Ayin, Daf Kuf Ayin Aleph, um, talks about whether or not you write a, a document, as we'll see. And Rashi says, In Bovabasra, the, the Psak Halacha, the conclusion is, you don't write a Shovar, you don't give the person the receipt. Because it's not fair to have to ask the lover to the borrower, to, to, to keep on to, onto his receipt, to carry his receipt for the rest of time. Rather, the, the document has to be given back. Because now he's got to preserve this receipt forever from the rats and from decay and from any form of loss. It's his owners now to keep the receipt. If he can't produce a receipt, he, he could be, money could be claimed from him again. So Rashi says that the, the, the Gemara in, in Bova Basra concludes that you do not write a Shovar, which is why our Gemara asks, so our Gemara is a problem. Because from our Mishnah, it's clear that you do write a receipt. That's against the conclusion of the Gemara in Bova that you don't write a receipt. That's how Rashi understands this question of the Gemara. Tosfus says that's not right. He says if you look at the Gemara carefully in, in Bovabasa, let's look at the Mishnah first. The case that it's dealing with there is a person who pays part of his, of his debt. He borrows a thousand and he pays back five hundred. Rabbi Yudo Yachalif, Rabbi Yudo says, you write a new star, so you destroy the document that says that you owe me a thousand, and in its place you write a document that says you owe me five hundred. Rabbi Yosef says, you don't have to go to that trouble. You just write a receipt. You, you borrowed a thousand from me, and the receipt, here's a receipt, you've paid back five hundred. Simple. Are you imposing the, the duty of, of proof on the lover, on the borrower who now has to keep this receipt forever because the creditor still has a document for a thousand? 
And he could pull that document at any time and claim a thousand unless the lover is, is hanging on to his receipt for 500. Amalo Rabbi Yossi, kachyafelo. Yes, absolutely. The, the borrower must hang on to it for the rest of his life. And, and we don't make it any, uh, any more difficult for the lender. Explains the Rashbam on, on most of, of Bovabasa, we don't have Rashi. We have his grandson, the Rashbam. And the Rashbam says on the next page of the source sheet, Yes, it's, it's fitting that the Malve should be, the, the creditor should be free of worry, knowing that the borrower has to hold on to the, the, the receipt. It's not for the Malve, it's not for the creditor to prove. Because of the, the Pesach we've just learned in Mishle, and the, the Loive is at a disadvantage. A borrower is at a disadvantage. You've got to know, if you borrow money, you're at a disadvantage. So if it's a question of who has the burden of proof, the Malve or the, of the Loive, no, the borrower is going to have the burden of proof. Does that mean you've got to hang on to this receipt for dear life, otherwise he could claim money from you again? Yes. Yes, that's the nature of a creditor to a debtor. He can always come and claim money unless you can prove that you've paid. You've got to be able to prove that you've paid because Eved Lovele Ishmalve. Tosfer says, he doesn't agree with Rashi altogether, that the conclusion of the Gomorrah and Babasra is in fact that that Kotvinshtar, that you do write, you call Shovar, you do write a Shovar, and the Lover has to keep it, as we've just said. And so Tosfer says, our Gemara is not arguing on the conclusion of the Gemara in Bova Basra. It's argue, arguing on one of the views in Bova Basra. So this is a theoretical piece of Gemara. It's la la It doesn't matter. <coughs> and that's often the case. We have vast sugyas in the Gemara that are not la because the function of the Gemara is not just to paskan halacha. Yes, we extract the halacha from the Gemara. But the function of the Gemara is to go through all the reasoning and in, even in the process of thinking things out, even if the Gemara then rejects the, the process and comes to a different conclusion, we learn amazing things from the process of thinking. Gemara is about a process of thinking. Gemara is not about a bottom line. The bottom line, we, the Reef and the Rosh and, and others, Rambam, work out the bottom line from the Gemara. But that's like a second level of learning the Gemara. The first level of learning Gemara is to understand the reasoning. And so according to Tosvis, this whole piece of Gemara that we've got here, it's a complex piece of Gemara where Rav and Shmuel get involved very deeply in the sugya. This is not, not Lahaloch, says, says Tosvis. The Tosvis reads... Make, makes a comment, but what's important is not just the Tosfus, the Tosfus read we've spoken about before, 13th century, he was born and lived in Italy, went to Germany to learn with the ballet Tosfus, so he's part of this Tosfus school, and goes back to Italy, and it becomes the Gadol Hador in, in Italy, the Tosfus read. Um, the uh, the Maram Rutenberg writes about the Tosfus read that, that you can't argue with the Tosfus read, the Rif, the Rambam, Rabbeinu Gershom, he puts them all in one category. So the Tosfus read is hugely powerful in his influence on the development of, of Tosfus reasoning and thinking and, and halakha. Um, but what's interesting is there's a Talmud of the Riaz. The Riaz had the same name. The Tosfus read is Rabbeinu Yeshaya Ditrani, Rabbeinu Yeshaya from Trani. And he had a grandson who was his spiritual heir as well, his Talmud, who was also Rabbeinu Yeshua Ditrani. So they call him the second Rabbeinu Yeshua Ditrani, or the Riaz is, is how he's known. And the Riaz's Talmud, so this is the Tosus reads, grandson's Talmud makes a comment 
the harav, that means the Torah read, cholek ben ktuva lemilve, there's a difference between ktuva and milve. Tiliktuva in kotvin shova lemilve kotvin shova. The Torah read holds, it depends. Why, why don't we, why do we write a shovar? Because, why do we write a receipt? Because we're not worried that the lover has to hang on to it. That's his job, he's a lover. He has to hang on to the receipt. But what about a woman's ksuva? She, she's not a lover, she didn't borrow money. This is her right, this is his entitlement. She owns this money. It's not that she borrowed money that the husband now owes her. This is hers. So why disadvantage her and say she must keep a receipt? Therefore, says the Tosus read, according to the Talmud Hariyaz, that it's, it depends. In the case of Milveh, we go, the Gomorrah in Bova, the Gomorrah in Bova Basra concludes, as Tosfus says, that we, that we don't, that we do write a Shovar. And hence the Gomorrah's question here, why? But, but here in Ksubis, says the Tosfus read, there we, we don't write a Shovar. It's not her job to, to hang on to a Shovar. The important thing that I want to extract from this is a chidush in the idea of Eved Lovi Elish So this comes over up many times in, in Shas. It comes up in the laws of Halva'ah, in the laws of borrowing and lending, such as here. Are we going to make the borrower keep the receipt? Are we going to make the, the lender hang on to the document? Who's, on who is the burden of proof? So there's a halachic application of this principle. The burden of proof is the lover because the lover is in the disadvantaged situation. You've been done a favor. It's not now for the malveh have to worry. You've got to worry about, about taking care of the favor. And it's also learned in other areas, not just halva, whenever anybody helps one out. So the Gemara says, that if a person opens his home to another, you're indebted to him for, for your life, for the rest of your life. That's what chesed is. Somebody takes you in, somebody helps you out when you have a difficulty and gives you a place or gives you money or gives you opportunity. You never repay that indebtedness. You can, you can repay the money, you can, do, you can give a gift, you can do what you want, but you'll never repay the indebtedness. You remain permanently indebtedness because those opportunities then enable all sorts of things that happen for the rest of your life. Because during that period of time, you had the money you needed, or you had the home that you needed, or you had the food that you needed. Whatever it was, that put you in a position which influenced everything for the rest of your life, and you never acquit yourself of your moral indebtedness to a person who's done you a favor. If you don't want to be indebted to people, don't take favors. But on the, on the other hand, olam chesed the world is built by doing favors for one another, by helping one another. And does that create indebtedness? Yes, and that's how you build society. We are permanently indebted to one another all the time for the things that we, that we do to each other. Just as we're permanently indebted to Rebbein Shalom, not, not only for what he does for us each day, but for what he has done for us every day. But what's, import, that, what's important here is that the Lover never gets rid of that. Think of the situation of the Shovar. A Malve lends money to a Lover. Ruven lends money to Shimon. So I understand. Shimon is the Lover. He's the debtor. And therefore, Eved Lover leish Malve. But when he repays the debt, he's no longer a lover. He's no longer a borrower. I've repaid the money. And yet who has to keep the receipt? He's still treated as the, as the second-class citizen, but I've repaid. So you see from here, you never escape the Eved Loewe Lish Malve. Once you've borrowed money, you are enslaved to the Malve forever. And that's with every favor. Once you've taken a favor from somebody, you owe them for the rest of your life. When we talk about hakarat tov, that's not a one-off thing. You've got a favor from somebody, write them a thank you note. You've got a favor from somebody, give them a gift. Take them a bottle of wine, they gave you dinner, you take them a bottle of wine, we're done. No, you're never done. That's how we view chesed. When somebody does us a chesed, we're never done. 
even after the debt is repaid, we still use that principle to, to require. But what's important is to understand when it comes to the husband and wife and the chi of ksuba, that's not a favor. A husband should never think that what I've promised my wife in the ksuba, the way I've made her financially secure, I'm doing her this big favor, you're not doing her a favor at all, that's a tenai based in. The based in require that as part of a successful marriage. Thank you.